Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today, we're taking a break from our regular format for a special Q&A session. So, here's Pastor Steve. Welcome back to our program, and we are so blessed that you have decided to take some time out of your, uh, what is likely a busy schedule, as everybody today is super busy, um, and to join us here on Shouts of Grace. Uh, We value your time, and so we want to make the most of it by giving you God's Word, and we think that is the greatest uh, um, example of redeeming time is when we spend time in God's Word. And so if you are a first-time listener to Shouts of Grace, we want to say welcome and let you know that you can go and take a look at our website um, for uh, past broadcasts here on, on Key Radio, and you can um, catch up on, on a variety of topics. We've got almost three years' worth there, and so uh, that website is shoutsofgraceradio.com. That's shoutsofgraceradio.com. And while you're there, why not uh, drop us a, a note, an email, or a message of some of some kind, and if uh, uh, you, you got a question about something, we, we do rally uh, kind of gather those questions together, and then um, we'll answer those on air, um, which is exactly what we're going to do today. Um, but also, if you are a return listener, we want to say thank you for uh, your continued listening support, and we are blessed that you as well have taken time to join us. Uh, Shouts of Grace Radio is a ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah, um, check that. I, I get to now say it is no longer Saratoga Springs. It is actually Eagle Mountain, which is literally a stone's throw away uh, from Saratoga Springs as the two cities border each other. This last week, we um, our church, after five years of uh, being um, a kind of a baby church, we launched in 2017. We finally um, got our own facility. And so now instead of setting up and tearing down every week and going to uh, to what has been four different places— over the last five years, we now have our own facility, and it is in Eagle Mountain. We started in Eagle Mountain, and now we are back in Eagle Mountain. And so um, you can go to rhutah.church if you wanted to get directions and information on that, and we'd be delighted to meet with you. Um, if, you're a, if you're a listener of this program and you've never met, met us face-to-face, why not come out and join us? Um, to one of, at one of our services, and, and, and we'd love to get to know you. Um, at, usually on on Shouts of Grace, we have different pastors either in the studio or I got friends around the country, and they'll call in, and we kind of do a, some sort of Bible discussion about maybe a scripture or a topic, and we've got a number of those that you can listen to. Um, and then every now and then we'll do um, kind of this uh, this this question, answering questions where we've tallied up a number of questions um, that you send into the website, and then we go ahead and we answer them. And so today, I'm actually going to be solo. Um, my friends have all abandoned me. I'm just kidding. Um, but but today, I'm I'm going to take a number of your questions that you have sent in and do the best to answer them. Um, and so I hope I hope that blesses you. Um, so I'm going to start off with um, with a question from Danae. Uh, Danae says. Pastor, I recently was with my boyfriend at our church and we were talking to one of the pastors and I'm sorry, we were talking to the main pastor and we were discussing about 
some struggles that we were having in our relationship. And he suggested because of the nature of the struggles that we actually honor God and confess those struggles to the congregation. When I told him that I was nervous about this, he said, you have nothing to be nervous about. It's biblical. And you find that in James 5.16. And then he said, the scripture says to confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. And I am just curious as to what you think. It seemed kind of weird at first, but it's in the Bible. Well, Danae, um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with your pastor on that and say that this is a common um, misuse of Scripture. One of the things that's really important when we read the Bible is that we read the Bible contextually or we read it in its context. So what really helps when we read is that we know who is writing it, we know where they're writing it from, and we know what the circumstances are in which they're writing it. And what are they addressing specifically? Is there an issue? And so I'll give you an example. One example would be um, when Paul writes to the church, I'm just taking this off the top of my head. When Paul writes to the church in Corinth, the church in Corinth had a lot of problems. They were younger believers and they were just really carnal. And so at the beginning of the book, he actually addresses this. He says, I wanted to talk to you as spiritual, but you're actually carnal. And so there was division there and there was this worldliness there. And so when you read the first seven chapters of First Corinthians, it really is deep and heavy in correction. And so that's important to know. That's, that's the backdrop of a book. When we talk about the passage that your pastor used, which is often misused, and, and frankly, it's often a precursor to a, to a very um, kind of a totalitarian rule. Um, you know, oftentimes abuse follows these type of things where they're trying to use scripture and it's used out of context to guilt people into doing things or thinking things. Uh, you know, that they that they may not think or may not want to do. And so this is a, a classic example. So let me do this first. Let me give you an example of what it means to read this in context, and then I'll explain to you what exactly this is saying and what it's not saying. In, in James chapter 5, that's the passage that he uses. I'm going to start in verse 14 today, and I want you to listen to this. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will, say, will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now the verse, confess your trespasses or your sins to one another and pray for one another. But the verse doesn't end there. So that you may be healed, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Danae, the context of this passage is very clearly that when a person is sick, there are different reasons that they may be sick, right? I mean, sometimes we get sick because 
we get sick because we're in a fallen world. We got broken bodies and that's just what happens to us. Right. Um, I, I think of a man in, in, um, in Paul's life, um, Epaphras, Epaphroditus, um, who, who was a faithful man and, and he fell ill and he fell sick. And, and Paul sent letter, uh, back to his congregation saying, this guy has been a great benefit for me, even though he's been sick. Here's a person who's faithful, but they're ill. And, and the truth is every person is going to die of their last sickness, right? So, so sickness is just a part of life. And sometimes we just get sick because that's it. Um, but there are times when we get sick because of sin. I think of off the top of my head, I'm thinking of first Corinthians chapter 11, when Paul is talking about, um, communion and he's talking about, uh, discerning the Lord's body. And he's talking about, look at, uh, the, there's a, there's a lot of you that aren't discerning it. You're taking this in an unworthy fashion. You're, you're eating, you're getting drunk. This is no big deal to you. And then he says something interesting there in first Corinthians, in first Corinthians 11, he says, for this is why many of you have fallen sick and asleep or you've died, right? What he's saying is you're, you're actually sinning and a consequence of that is sickness. And so when we talk about sickness, it doesn't mean that every time a person's sick, there's sin in their life. John chapter nine talks about a blind man, right? And, 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 and the religious people kind of thought, well, well, they even asked the question, well, who sinned him or his parents? In other words, obviously, if the guy's going to be in this type of condition, there's got to be some sort of sin in his life. And Jesus said, neither sin. This is so that the glory of God can be revealed. And so we're not saying that if you're sick, there's sin. But sometimes when you're sick, there's sin. And so James is addressing the context he's saying is very clearly in verse 14. If is anyone among you sick? There's the question. What do you do? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray. Let them anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And if they pray in faith, the, the sick will be saved and the Lord will raise them up. And then he says in the same breath, confess your trespasses to one another and pray that you may be healed. You can't ignore that last part. It connects everything that we read before that. If there's sick among you, go to the elders to this part. If there's sin, confess it to one another, to the elders and that you may be healed. And so here's the, here's the whole point, Danae. When people use verses out of context, they usually use it to support, always use it to support some, some lame brain, you know, theology that they've adopted or come up with that usually has to do with, you know, self-aggrandizement and self-promotion and authority and power and so much, you know, and, and so forth and so on. And so I, I've seen this verse used before um, in the exact same way that, that you have described it as being used in you. And really what it's done, what it's what's being done is guilt is being used to um, from scripture because you love the Lord and, and you believe in the Bible. So let me hear, let me share a scripture with you. Confess your faults one to another. And so whatever's going on in your life with, um, with, with you'd, you'd mentioned your boyfriend, you guys are struggling with some things. Um, w- whatever that is, you are not called by God to go and shame yourself in front of the congregation and confess it so that you can fulfill uh, what James chapter five verse sixteen is saying, so that you can be healed. This is a this is a verse that's talking about illness or sickness. And oftentimes, what happens is 
leaders misuse or misquote God's word in such a way that brings condemnation and shame upon others. And I would say to you, first and foremost, if this is the church you attend and this is the pastor you have over you, I would caution you and say there's a violent misuse of scripture here that brings condemnation to people. And what you ought to do is find counsel elsewhere so that you can understand God is not wanting to shame you. Now, whatever it is that you are going through with your your boyfriend and whatever struggles you are having, those struggles ought to be talked about, definitely. And the fact that you are open and you're confessing them to your pastor even if this verse meant that, that would be a fulfillment of the verse. You would not need to go any further. Certainly, good gracious, would you not have to go in front of the congregation to shame yourself? That is just a violent misuse of Scripture. So I would encourage you with this. If you have opened up to a confidant, somebody who knows Scripture, whether it's your pastor or someone else, um, this is what this Um, verse isn't saying. It's not saying, go tell the world about your sin. Jesus died to cover the shame of a sinner. Now, there are times when there are certain sins that that may in fact fall into this category where the masses may want to know. And and that's an entirely different subject. But as for you, somebody who's struggling with sin, welcome to the family, sister. We all struggle with it. I would say, Go and find a confidence, somebody who can give you biblical counsel as to how to protect yourself against whatever struggles you're having. Um, it may require some hard, some hard truths. It may require some hard decisions. But here's what it won't entail. It won't entail shaming you and putting your sin or consuming its sin, putting your sin out in front of an entire congregation so that you can be perceived as holy. That is just, that is just a, a, a violent, again, a violent misuse of Scripture. So I encourage you. Go find biblical counseling that's sound, okay? This verse has nothing to do with you outing yourself in front of a whole congregation. If you're sick and you sick and your sickness is because there's sin in your life, then when you go to the elders, you say, hey, I need you to know this. Um, this is in my life and I want to confess it to you. And then they pray for you at that point and it's you getting it out in the open. So I hope that helps. Hey, listen, um, we're um, going to take a small break and we'll be back with more Shouts of Grace. You're listening to Shouts of Grace, the radio ministry of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. For more information about Redemption Hill or Pastor Steve, you can visit our website at rhutah.church. That's rhutah.church. Shouts of Grace Radio is thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo. And Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org. Now let's join Pastor Steve for the conclusion of today's broadcast. Welcome back to the program. Super blessed you can join us. Um, Today, uh, we are in studio here at Key Radio Studios in Provo, um, our home of Shouts of Grace. And today, we're doing something a little different. We're actually um, just kind of uh, taking some questions, fielding some questions that have been given to us um, over the last eight months, nine months. Um, And so the first question we answered was from Danae, who had a question about James uh, chapter five. And so the, the next question is from an Erickson. I mean, Erickson, yeah, Erickson. And Erickson asks the question, um, I am LDS, uh, and that that's for those of you that are listening that don't know what that is, that's they affiliate with the, with the Mormon church. He says, I am LDS, and we practice our faith using temples. How come the rest of the Christian world 
doesn't use temples? At what point did they fall away from this practice? And so, Erickson, that is a fantastic question. Um, I, I can um, tackle this a couple of different ways. And so um, certainly my heart is not to be um, antagonistic at all, or, um, but I will begin by making a statement and then I'll qualify the statement. And, and the statement is, um, your question has some assumptions to it that simply aren't true. Um, so for example, let me, let me start with this. When we talk about temples and I'm assuming that you're talking about temple work and temple ordinances and the existence of temples as the LDS church, um, you know, has, has seen it. Um, my understanding of, and, and I got many friends who are, who are Mormons, my understanding of Mormon belief is that Mormonism is a restoration of the gospel, not a reformation. And there is a big difference between the two. When you reform something, you take it from its original, what it was, and you make it different. You make changes to it. When you restore something, you take what's original and you bring it back to what it originally was. And so the assumption then is what the LDS church has today by way of temples is a restoration, is part and parcel to the restoration of the gospel um, as, as the Mormon church has, has defined that. Which would mean that if it's a restoration, that it should have, it, 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 it should have the exact same design as you see um, in the Old Testament, because that really is where we get um, this idea of temples from. I'm just I'm going to try to simplify this as much as as, as much as possible because there's a lot of people that are listening that, that may not understand this. When you go into the New Testament, Christianity knows nothing of the temples that are defined by Mormonism today. In other words, though the only temple that existed was the Jewish temple, and it existed up to 70 A.D. until it was destroyed. So, assuming that the the question is is saying that that Mormonism has restored what was before 70 AD, then my first challenge or question would be, when do you see the Christian church exercising these same temple ordinances and all this other stuff in the New Testament? You don't find that. You don't find that at all. In fact, to the contrary, you find in the book of Hebrews this idea that what was old, what was beforehand in the law, the, the, and if you go through the book of Hebrews, it's very clear. It has, it talks about temples. It, ta- it just talks about the preeminence of Christ over every facet of the law. But one of the things it does mention is it does mention that the law was a shadow of the things to come, but not the exact image. The image was Christ. So when we look, for instance, just real off the top of my head, when we look at temples of old, you walk into the temple and you have there the, 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 you know, the, the altar of sacrifice, right? The, the big altar where they would bring the, 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 the animals to, okay? You don't see that in the Mormon church today. You don't see entering a temple and the courtyard of the priest has, 
you know, the entrance has some big altar where they're sacrificing animals to, or Mormons aren't bringing their sacrifices, as Leviticus 1 says, into the entrance of the temple, or in this case, the tabernacle, which would later become the temple, and telling the priests, here's a sacrifice for our sin. So, so you don't see a restoration of that at all. You see a reformation. You don't see them binding the sacrifice to the altar. You don't see um, the, 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 the brazen altar. You don't see uh, the wash bends. You don't see the, the candelabra. You don't see the holies of holies. You don't see um, you know, the altar of incense. You, don't, you just don't have the same thing. And so many Latter-day Saints will say, well, you know, Jesus you know, in his death and his resurrection, he kind of, he kind of made a lot of those things obsolete. Well, then the problem is what do you, how do you determine what's obsolete and what's not? If you're going to restore something back to its original condition, then you got to restore it. And so, so the truth is that modern day Mormon temples simply don't reflect a restoration. They reflect maybe a reformation. Okay. The other thing that's important to understand is you know, going back to what I said in Hebrews chapter in Hebrews chapter 10, it says the law was a shadow of the things that come, but not the very image. Christ is the image. So when we talk about um, a temple, right, as, as you understand a temple, the Bible has a couple different, you know, uh, descriptions of a temple. The Bible says the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's actually the dwelling place of God now, right? So so we don't have the need uh, for temples. We certainly don't have the need for temples the way the Mormon church is described because Jesus is the exact representation and image of what was only shadowed in the past. So for example, there's there's no holies of holies anymore and there's no need to go in. The veil has been torn, we're told, and now a person can come to God. They can come boldly to the throne of grace because Jesus has made that way. So that part of the temple is not necessary anymore. We certainly don't need the altar of incense anymore because the altar of incense was indicative of the prayers of the saints. And now we have one mediator between God and man and it's Jesus Christ. And so we pray to the Father through Christ, right? We certainly don't need um, a, a brazen altar. We don't need an altar of sacrifice anymore where we take and we and we dip the blood on the four corners of the four horns of the altar. Why? Because the blood sacrifice was paid for by Christ when blood ran from the four corners of the cross, the head, the left hand, the right hand, the feet. And so all of these things, um, Erickson, are a shadow of of what was fulfilled in Christ. And so when we talk about temples today, um, I, I, my personal belief is a temple, as, as described in the Old Testament, would be, um, a, a, um, it would be disobedience and rebellion to God. Because he says something interesting in Hebrews 10, 26. He says, he says that, um, he, he goes on, he says, if we continue to sin willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin except for a certain fearful uh, judgment that will devour the adversary. What is he saying there? Understanding the book of Hebrews, these people were being persecuted. These Christians were being persecuted, and they were contemplating going back and embracing Judaism. Remember, all the first Christian converts were Jews, and so they were they were contemplating, we're going to go back. This is too hard. And so the argument that's being made there is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you go back and you embrace the shadow, which was, you know, a shadow of the image and the image is Christ. If you go back and embrace the shadow, there isn't another sacrifice for your sins. There's 
There's no one else coming. If you go back and embrace temple, temple worship, temple sacrifice, which would have to be the definition of a restoration, otherwise it's a reformation, as mentioned before. If you go back and embrace all that, you are actually in rebellion to God because you are not embracing the one true sacrifice for your sin. And so I would say that that when it comes to Mormon temples, there's just a grave misunderstanding of what they were. And when one takes a look at what the shadow and what the image portray, portrayal was, it's clear, good gracious, Jesus fulfilled that part of the law. And now he's made us temples of the Holy Spirit. We're the dwelling place of God. And so, Erickson, I hope that helps. If, if you want to further converse, you can uh, you can go onto our our, our, um, our website at shoutsofgraceradio.com. You can drop some message, messages and we can converse there. Um, we're actually out of time. We only got through two questions. We're actually out of time. Uh, for this edition of Shouts of Grace. So um, hope to hear from you or, or see you next time. And, and we'll have uh, our regular program where we have a couple of brothers in the studio. I'm looking forward to that. Again, thank you for your support and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us here at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Oh,